Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the show and welcome to the last week of obligatorily talking about spooky games after finally wearing out what little I knew from the genre. I decided, wait a minute, I know about Dead Rising. Hey, doesn't my brother like Dead Rising too sometimes? So I brought him back. Hello, it's me, Franklin Westerino, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning war photographer extraordinaire. Oh yeah, I, I have a second brother and he's actually Frank West. <laughs> if only, right? That'd make things awkward. Yeah, he's like way older than us. Yeah, he's like, it's like by the time of the fourth game, he's in his 50s, he's like... Roughly our dad's age. I think the last... If the first game takes place when it was released 12 years ago, yeah. as of two months ago, uh, shoot, the next game, Dead Rising 4, it takes place in like four years, right? Uh, Something like that. It takes place in 2022. Oh. So that means that the first one took place in 06? It was released in 06, at least. Oh. 06 plus 6. Yeah, four years. It's four years from now. Did I say two? Uh, no, you said four. Oh, cool. But, let's see, yeah, Dead Rising is 12 years old. It's now old enough to write edgy, indulgent fanfiction of itself. That's a perfect description of age 12. <laughs> Good job. You know, it's, it's all about you know, what, what each age comes with. Shoot, I remember writing some awful fanfiction about, like, a Trauma Center, a Twilight Princess. They're awful. I, I remember those. Anyway... Uh, yeah, Dead Rising, which neither of us have written about. What is Dead Rising? Well, for those who haven't been keeping up with the series, you're usually in control of a protagonist in the middle of a zombie outbreak, and you have nearly infinite weapons at your disposal as a means of dealing with the zombies, and there is usually a time limit where you have to solve the plot by a certain point... A very strict itinerary of events that you must complete if you want the quote-unquote best ending. Otherwise, you can just let yourself get locked out of the plot and goof around until the game ends. Yeah, but that always just involves, like, some awful death at hands of zombies, right? Uh, sometimes. Usually once you get into overtime mode, which is the secret final level, that's when things get a little more intense and you can't really have any diversions compared to the main story. For people that actually want to play the game and get a story out of it. For some reason, this game is very memorable to our mom. I think we only ever really played the second one. Well, you played the second one. I, I eventually started playing the Frank West version of the second one. Here it is, even. Off the record? Yeah. And our mom just remembers the visual of the shopping mall filled with zombies. Well, I mean, I did play the first one. I played the first one first. Uh, I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, I wanted to play Dead Rising 2, and I don't like playing games out of order, so I went with Dead Rising. And boy, what an experience in AI. <laughs> I didn't know we had the first Dead Rising until, like, I think a year or two ago when we were clearing out some of the old 360 games. Oh yeah, it's a really great game. Did did we give that back to you, or...? I don't know. I was actually also kind of hoping to find out when I came here today. I guess uh, that's going to wait until after we record this. Cool beans. But, yeah, whenever I tell my mom about a game that she's never heard of, she'll say, Is that the one with all the zombies in the mall? 
Dead Rising, it's very memorable. It caught on, it spawned three sequels of varying quality and reception. Became one of Capcom's like regular go-tos. Frank West became a very recurring character in the in the gamer consciousness. Gamers, hey gamers. <laughs> well, yeah, Franklin though, he's covered wars, right? Uh, it, it took us a little less than five minutes to say that. I, I was wondering if we would go the whole time without saying it or not. That's you can't. You really can't. As much as, as much as I sometimes have limited patience for things like that, I have to admit it's a very fun line to say in reference. Oh, absolutely! Golly, I heard that line before I even knew what the game was. The "I've covered wars, you know" line. That has its own article on the Dead Rising wiki. I'm not I'm not surprised, honestly. They really go out of their way to reference that in the other games, and so- sometimes when series do that, it feels kind of forced, but whenever Dead Rising does it, I feel like it's still kind of fun. Oh yes, definitely, without a doubt. So, in the first game, the idea is that Frank is going to get the scoop on some weird business going down in the fictional town of Willamette, Colorado, and he spends 72 hours in the mall dealing with the zombie apocalypse, and after 72 hours, there's a lot of plot stuff going on, he needs to get out, and spoilers for a 12-year-old game, he doesn't really manage to get out, and then overtime mode starts... You know, provided you went through the prerequisite tasks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's assumed that you actually followed the plot and did all the important missions. And in overtime mode, as I said before, things are a little more tense, but you are more focused on the plot. There's not a lot to distract you from it either. Uh, yeah, in overtime mode, they shift where your home base is, so, like, you're in the middle of the action. Like, you can't get away from it. Yeah, they really have oh for like story purposes around that point is when the government starts storming the mall with all their elite soldiers and military you have to deal with them as much as you have to deal with the zombies and they're even worse not to mention the psychopaths oh yeah though those are only in the 72 hour part of the game no i mean like in the main story the psychopaths well i was i was talking about just getting from point A to point B is the military is harder to deal with than the zombies. I was thinking about possibilities as to why the government is just indiscriminately killing people. Like, zombies aside, they're killing people. Like, they straight up shoot at Franklin. Well, in... Why do you keep calling him Franklin? It's his full name. I'm not going to do him a disservice. I think it's actually Francis. Oh my goodness, that's so much better. (laughs) Well, anyway, in stories like this, it's not uncommon to have the trope of the military wanting to destroy all the witnesses to help protect their image, even though in 2018, nobody really likes the government. So it's kind of kind of a moot point. But, you know, this is, it's a video game. they got to give you an obstacle. Kind of of its time. Yeah, definitely of its time. This was when the War on Terror was still relatively new. Activating the thrusters. Okay. But the, the the war act rocket it okay, but psychopaths. What's that sigh? You, you just sighed like that. I I gave up. It's a train wreck of a sentence. Psychopaths. 
Yeah, they're only in the 72 hours, and they serve as the boss fights. Only two of the... Okay, if, if we don't count the Keys siblings, only two of the psychopaths are actually mandatory, as far as I know. In the main story, or in 72 hours? Well, the, the main story is 72 hours. Okay, I thought we were talking about Endless... No, that's infinity mode. Okay, yeah, the the psychopaths, uh, as far as the story goes, I think, yeah, there's only, like, two you have to save, because mostly your reward is just survivors. But you don't save the psychopaths, unfortunately. Except for, except for one. There is one you can save. And his name is Francis. <laughs> anyway. Who is the real psychopath? No, it's the guy with the Molotov cocktails. He's He's very easily skipped, though. The only mandatory psychopaths are the shopping cart guy and the big fat butcher. Yeah? Yeah. What's hmm. interesting is, uh, I think, around the second day, they introduced the cultists. Oh, and... wait, yeah, it's because... I'm sorry, going back, uh, I think they're the only two that are necessarily required because they're the one of... Some of the only ones where your rewards are not limited to survivors but story items. yeah. Like the bees. The bees! No, not the bees! They're in my eyes! But, yeah, the shopping cart guy, you have to beat him to save Isabella, and then you have to beat the butcher to save her brother. And everyone else is just kind of there. You know, people. Story-driven items. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is they introduce the cultists as another obstacle that are... More difficult to deal with than the zombies. Not as bad as the super soldiers, but still. And then on the third day, you have the option of fighting their leader as one of the psychopath bosses. But it's not mandatory, and that, that kind of felt like missed potential for me. I would argue that the psych... Uh, in the game, they call just the masked cultists psychopaths. So I would argue that those guys are a little easier than the SWAT guys. Well, yeah, of course they're easier than the SWAT guys. Well, I mean, but... Golly, they've got suicide bombers, they've got people that just run at you with 10-inch buoy knives. It's aggressive. Yeah, they're supposed to be a little more difficult than the zombies, because by that point, you should be used to the zombies. Plus, they're, like, alive. Yeah, but despite introducing them, their boss is just an optional event, which I said a minute ago feels like a missed opportunity. Adding on to his difficulty, he does give you, like, four female survivors, and the walk you have to make is very short, but these are the worst AI-controlled survivors in the entire game. Hmm. I believe after you kill him, you have, like, all the stragglers of the cult come in and try to attack you one last time. Yeah, they haven't left the... Th okay, so that psychopath, the cult leader, is in a movie theater in front of a big screen. Yeah. But to get to him, you have to go through the theater, which is just packed with all these cultists. They just all respawn as soon as he dies. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's awful. You get a lot of PP for it, though. Well, yeah, the prestige points, those are how Frank levels up in the game. He does a lot of weird things, and he gradually gets tougher. They did make it optional, which I like. I couldn't go through a zombie game just taking pictures, personally. Yeah, it makes sense. This isn't zombie snap. Right. Professor Oak shows up behind Frank and is like, You're close! I haven't seen this zombie before. Hmm, pose, centered in frame, more than one zombie type. The most ambitious crossover. In history. 
So, you've played this game. Yes. What were some of your favorite things to do or see in it? Uh, I loved spamming a glitch where you can just get a katana forever, have infinite katanas, along with infinite orange juice, which, for le those of you not in the know, completely heals your health, which is on a hard situation to come by as far as healing items go. So uh, I would just load up on both of those and just go buck wild in the courtyard for like an hour trying to get that hard achievement. Oh, is that the one where you have to kill the entire population's worth of zombies? Yeah, 53,000 XXX zombies. I forget the exact number. Oh, yeah. A lot. The game spawns infinite zombies, so you never really run out. And it really speaks to the hardware about how much they can fit on screen at once. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the whole point of the thing, was to have a game where you can have a lot of bodies on screen at once. If Nintendo's ambitions were different, they would have done that around the time Pikmin came out. And you'll notice, like, the Pikmin are all very simplistic models and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they've gotten further in graphics since then, and power, etc. Remember, this was still around the point where the Xbox 360, which was the game's original system, yeah, this... would have the Red Ring of Death. So, sometimes it still couldn't quite handle it, I think, but they did figure it out after a while. Any other like, favorite things you did? Uh, like that I did, or about the game? Well, either or, really. You're the one who played it. I like how, I like the sound direction. They have very good use of licensed songs to really set the mood, especially for the three cons in the courtyard. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get to the music later on in the in this bit. But since you mentioned the convicts, let's let's talk about the psychopaths a little more. Do you have any particular favorites? Uh, the one in the gun shop was very intimidating because, you know, guns. Oh, yeah, and they put him very early on to kind of let you know what you're dealing with for this game. Well, that's another thing. They took him away in a faraway part of the mall behind three different long hallways, and it's really hard to find until, like, your base is in that part of the mall and you can just explore a little more. But golly, if I knew that was there so much earlier, I'd have been kicking A all day long, you know? <laughs> you know the gun guy? He's voiced by Bill Farmer. Bill Farmer. Cool. No, he's Goofy. Really? Yeah, he, he's voiced by Goofy. That is Goofy. Yeah, that's Goofy. And it's Goofy. It is. Gosh, Frank, what are we gonna do with all the zombies? <laughs> he dies. Oh. <laughs> uh. Poor Bill Farmer. First, first Goofy dies, then the then the gun shop guy dies. It's like Sean Bean. Every role just dies. Yeah. And Sean Bean. That's a, that's such a fun name to just see written out. It makes me mad. Oh yeah, there's like ten ways to spell Sean. Is just there? make it Sean Bond and he'll be done. Or Seen Bean. Any other psychopaths that stuck out to you? Uh, I remembered the uh, family being hard. Oh, the snipers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're supposed to be weaker than your average psychopath, but the fact that they all team up makes up for it. Right, right, right. And then everybody talks about the clown, which wasn't a big deal. I just skipped him. After I beat him the first time, of course. He's one of the most popular psychopaths, and one of the first ones you can encounter. Because everyone just wants his mini chainsaw. It is a good weapon. It's the best weapon kind of interesting that they give that to you so soon in the game, provided you beat him. 
and provided you know about the effects of magazines. They gave him a brother who was exclusive to Dead Rising 2 off the record. So not Slappy. No. So his brother actually wants revenge on Frank for what happened to his brother. It's just a whole family of clowns. Just Just a whole whole family family of of clowns. Just a whole family of clowns. I'm a little surprised in Dead Rising 3 they didn't put in another clown boss. No, I'm sure they did somewhere. No, I, I've, I've actually familiarized myself with the later two games a little bit. Oh yeah? I've, I'm still in the dark. Uh, well, uh, personally I'm not a huge fan of where the series went after 2. I got a lot more expressive in 4. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit, he, he was a little funnier in 4. Really? I was yeah. immediately turned off by the different voice actor. It, it was not as good as the original voice, with no offense to the actor. I'm sure he did the best that he could. Yeah, he, there's no beating T.J. Rotolo, the original actor. I, I still like Frank, and while originally... Okay, this is pretty scummy of Capcom that they put in like the final ending as part of the DLC campaign, but... They did? Sort of. Some could see it as like maybe just an epilogue instead. I don't really know. You'd have to look into it yourself. I don't want to give it away for you because I know you don't like that. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here real quick. Game developers, don't. I mean, finish your game, then release it. Well, what I think is the gameplay of that is drastically different from the rest of the game in the main game, so that might be. A bit jarring if they were all in the same campaign. Uh-huh. Though they could have also just made it a separate mode like Overtime is. <laughs> so there goes that argument. What I mean is Frank West, I'm, I'm generally happy for him. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's a survivor. He's become a mascot and an icon of zombies. Yeah. Well, not zombies. Zombie fighting, of course. But yeah. he's right up there with uh, Ash. Probably. Catch him. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, Ash me a little bit, of course. He's, he's also up there with Todd from Pokemon Snap. Yeah. Whoa, really? Yeah. I didn't play the game myself, but I watched footage of it a lot, and you know the a lot of the psychopaths stuck out to me. I liked the I liked a lot of them for the music, to be honest. But you know there was the war veteran in the sporting goods shop. There was also. You know, the two plot-relevant psychopaths talked about. Yeah. The cult leader. I don't, I don't know if I liked any of the other ones very much. They were all just kind of existed. Yeah, it's until you mention them, it's honestly hard to remember them. They're very forgettable. Now yeah. in the second game, though. Anyway, first game. We're talking about the first game. Yeah. You know, even though we just had that brief aside for DLC practices and Frank's revised personality... It's just because we're professionals. Yeah. You know, 54 episodes into this, I gotta have some semblance of knowing what I'm doing. 54? Golly, that's a lot. You were there for the 50th. I remember. But even so, I'm gonna say that every time I'm here. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah, it is. Maybe once we get to 100, they'll actually get good. No, it's not very many episodes. 100. Who cares? But... The time limit. We talked about that a little before, how it's very strict. It kind of reminds me of Majora's Mask in a way. I can see that. But there's 
so much less opportunity to, to retry. Yeah, there is. It encourages you to replay the game from the beginning a lot. Yeah, because shoot, you can be down to half a thing of health, and okay, you can boot up your save and find yourself in some secluded bathroom with no weapons, no health, half a no health restoration items, half a little thing of health. You walk out into the hallway and there's just this sea of zombies and you're like, well, shoot. Yeah, you're screwed six ways to Sunday. The game trusts that by that point you know what you're doing. And that's why you can still just lock yourself out of the plot, mess around for the remainder of your time, then start over with the carried over stats and levels. I forgot about that. You can do that. Yeah. I feel stupid now. Oh. But it's, it's like I said, the game is very short, so it invites you to come back to it and know what you're doing better. Right. I think in Off the Record, they introduced the sandbox mode, where you, where you can finally just play around the mall or Fortune City to your heart's content. And boy, is it fun. Yeah, I, I, I meant to play some of that, but I never really... Okay, so my Dead Rising experience, as far as being... The player goes. I played uh, some of the beginning of Off the Record a couple years ago, and I never got around to doing more, even though I wanted to. Yeah. And uh, that's about it. Cool. I played the first one, then the second, then I just stopped. Oh. Yeah. I wanted to play Off the Record and Case Zero and Case West. Didn't want to play three, and I only just learned about four today. Oh, wow. So. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Mm. It's definitely an entire series now. It's not just that novelty game in the mall with all the zombies. He's definitely, again, become a mascot of sorts. You like, you know, just a brief diversion, do you like that Dead Rising is a franchise now? I mean, the hipster in me says, oh, I was there when no one liked it. But, like, who cares, man? Like, these people are getting out there, Inafune is recognized as a great developer now, or a director, whatever it was he did. Yeah, he's the Mega Man guy. He's the Mega Man guy. We never played Mega Man, so our main exposure to him was Dead Rising. It wasn't Mega Man that made him famous, it was Dead Rising. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's covered video games, you know? What about Metal Dead Rising? Metal Dead Rising? Yeah. Like metal Zom zombies have changed. Okay, well, I think you're I think you're mistaking Inafune for Hideo Kojima, and I think you're mistaking War Has Changed with... Oh, wait, no, you got that right. I'm sorry, so many people bungle that line from Guns of the Patriots that I can't tell when people are getting it right anymore. Okay, but this actually kind of works. War Has Changed. I've covered wars, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Solid Frank. And then by the time of Dead Rising 4, he's old Frank. Best crossover ever. Most ambitious crossover event in history with pokemon snap featuring ash ketchum a special dlc yada 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 dante knuckles funky kong okay got all those out of the way oh uh i i heard about something in dead rising 4 that they hacked <laughs> on like 18 different subtitles to the name what are you talking about uh like super mega dead rising ultra okay, ex plus i know alpha. what you're talking about that was that was a side or bonus mode in the third game, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
that was kind of to help alleviate some of the fan complaints that there weren't enough familiar characters, there wasn't enough. I mean, just looking at all the costumes and the characters they have, it just looks hilarious, like exactly what people want from Dead Rising. Yeah, it is, and people weren't entirely thrilled with what they did in Dead Rising 3, so they had that mode. Fan service. Huh? Oh, actually... If you're not really familiar with 3, there's some plot points in there that I think you'd find really interesting. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I I, I don't know if I want to talk about them, because I know. But, yeah, Dead Rising 3 feels more attached to the first two games than 4 does. 4 feels like, even though it references 1 a lot, it still feels like it wants to be a little more detached. It's kind of interesting. And uh, mm-hmm. In an industry where everyone wants to get back to their roots... But after, like, six games, this is the point in Dead Rising's history where it gets away from its roots. A little bit, yeah. Not not too much, but... As for me, I, I told you before, I wasn't really thrilled with what 3 and 4 were doing. I feel like after 2, like, it just kind of went in a weird direction that I didn't really care for. Yeah. And it feels a little more like it's lost its identity... And when I say 1 and 2, I'm also including Off the Record, even though that came after 2. Because it, it, it is 2, just with Frank instead of Chuck. So, the Wii version of the game, I don't know if you're familiar with this. I've heard of it. Yeah, in 2009, there was a Nintendo Wii version of the game. Not exactly a port, because it's kind of a remake on uh, the Resident Evil 4 engine. Uh, it's called Dead Rising, Chop Till You Drop. Oh, yeah. I've heard a lot of bad things about it. Yeah, it's not really the same as Dead Rising 1. It, It's, you know, it's Frank, it's in the mall, it's the original story and stuff, but they change a few things around, they simplify a lot of things, because the Wii isn't quite as powerful as the 360. I mean, the Wii wasn't powerful, but golly, it had a lot of fun games. It did. Uh, The gun shop guy, gun shop Goofy, you can actually save him in that version. Neat. And the convicts, they are reduced to a quick time event, and they don't come back, unlike in the original. See, this is why you gotta play the original game on the original console, because then you get most, if not all, of everything that the directors and producers and developers intended. Like, yeah, that's the end of that thought. I don't know. It sounds like people didn't really like fighting the convicts in the original game. It was very hard, but that was kind of the appeal. I like hard games. I'm a big weenie, so I don't like hard games too much. Uh... I don't know, before we get into the music talk, do you have any stray Dead Rising thoughts? Nope. Okay. So, as we mentioned before, they use a lot of licensed music in the game, and a lot of it's really good. Did, did any stick out in your mind? The only one that sticks out is the one with the convicts. Oh. Like I thought, like I brought up earlier. Yeah, you walk out into the courtyard and you just hear, bum 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 yeah. And then this Beastie Boys S singing starts up. And that's how you know that. Oh, great, the convicts are back. And then just suddenly they run you over from behind. So you can never see them coming. Boy, that was such a hard fight. 
Such a hard fight. That song is Gone Guru by, I think it's called Life Seeker? Life Taker? Life Seeker sounds right. But... Yeah, that's... And they actually got hired to sing a theme song for Frank in Off the Record called His Name's Frank. <laughs> well, let's see. I remember a lot of the other licensed music because I still listen to them on occasion. The band, they got the same band for both of the plot relevant psychopaths called uh, Hostile Groove. Yeah. The shopping cart boss, his his. His boss theme is called Fly Routine, and Butcher's is called On a Mission. I feel like I remember that name, Fly Routine. Because, yeah, like, in the bridge of the song or something, like, it's a fly routine! Fly routine. <laughs> that, that's, my, that's my death metal voice. I'm going to be on season two of Regrets Go now. That was a one-to-one. <laughs> that, that was perfect. Spot on. Uh, I, I know. I don't know why more metal bands don't hire me. Who knows? Anyway. Uh, the the war veteran, his boss theme is by the Evolutionaries, and it's called Slave. It's a really slow piece, and it sounds like, you know, this guy is just kind of a puppet against his will. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, hmm? cutting deep into the government commentary there. <laughs> I mean, he is a war veteran, but he's not really connected to the military characters in the game. Yeah, he, he's... Yeah, but PTSD's struck him hard. I mean, it has, especially with the zombies everywhere. They ate his grandchild. Jeez. And then Bored Again by Lockjaw. That's the cult boss's theme. Yeah. I remember I actually got my mom to listen to that one time while we were waiting in a restaurant. Oh, yeah? Your mom? I said our mom, didn't you, I? You said my mom. I think I was trying to talk to the listener, maybe not you, I don't remember, it's just... Anyway, it's... I got it. Bored Again by Lockjaw, which is the cult boss's theme. Yeah, didn't you get my mom to listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> it's a really good song. It sounds a little more intense than the other ones, so I'm kind of glad that that song and that boss fight are on the third day. Right, right. Uh, I like the credits theme. It's called Justified. I remember that one. That was a jam. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's a little different than the single version when it plays in the game. But I liked it. I think the I think the vocalist is named Dre Drea. It's, it's it was it's not a normal everyday name that I see in my life. Right, right. So I don't know how to pronounce it. I should have I should have researched more. If this were the Jackie Chan cartoon, his uncle would just bought me for not doing enough research. I'm off And I, I I guess we should talk about the clown music. Oh yeah. Because in Marvel vs. Capcom Three Ultimate, they remix the clown music to be Frank's personal light motif. Well, shoot! There, I forgot he was in that game. He was, and then he was in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Proof right there he's a mascot. Frank West is a very well-known character. Yeah, he is. And it's all because of this game. Yeah, it all goes back to Dead Rising. So, I think... I think we've exhausted this. We've covered Dead Rising enough. If you like to... 
listen to more episodes where I pretend I know what I'm talking about, you can always subscribe to the BitCast on Podcast One's website or mobile app or find it on iTunes. Next month, I'm probably not going to restrict myself to some kind of theme. And I'm probably not going to do it for December either because, you know, that's when Ultimate comes out and I got to talk about that. You got anything you want to say? Looking forward to sequel September. <laughs> oh yeah, give me 11 months, I'll prepare. Yeah, anyway, no, uh, just chill out, be nice to people, that stuff. Yeah, that's a good idea. Alright, see you on the next one. Listen to BitCast anytime on podcastone.com and on the Podcast One app.